Good morning and welcome. We're glad you're joining with us this morning in the worship. Would you please stand for the call to worship responsively? This is the good news. The grave is empty. Christ is risen. This is the good news. Once we were no people, now we are God's people. We know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. He is risen indeed. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for the empty tomb, grateful that Jesus was raised from the dead. And we are grateful that he is sitting at your right hand today, serving as our high priest in your presence. Thank you, Father, for the work of redemption that you have done and are doing and will complete one day. We pray, Lord, that you would accept our worship it would be honoring to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Before you're seated, take a moment and share a word of greeting with others who are here at worship today.
Once again, good morning, and on behalf of your missions committee, I want to have you notice that God is very faithful, and our faith promise on the bulletin has for the first Sunday is we're over the goal, and that's one month before we're even finished. So God is faithful, and you've been faithful, and God is good. Also, he's been faithful over the years, I guess some 28 or more years, that Houghton Church has supported uh, Rochester Youth Association through Matteo Hess, Matthew Hess, who was a student here and then has been teaching for close to 30 years in Rochester in the public schools. And he began an organization that brings young people from various churches, ethnic churches, all different varieties. And Houghton Church has been one of those churches. And we've gone on missions trips, our young people. And there's a new leader, a new director of the Rochester Youth Association. And it's, I want to say it right, Rachel Soreno. Sorena. All right, let her tell it. I'm not a Spanish speaker, but we welcome her to be introduced to you and just to give greetings. Thank Rachel. You. Thank you, Brother Shay. Blessings and greetings. He almost said it right. Serrano. Oh, <laughs> I'm so excited to be here in Houghton this morning. Um, I shared in the first and second service, I was able to be part of the Kaleidoscope class as well. And I also bring greetings from Rochester, New York. Hey, we're so far away, right? <laughs> um, as a young person myself, I came many times with Mateo Hess up to the campus here at the college to spend time with um, uh, the youth association where we would have, you know, these rallies and we would have overnights and sit through classes and just delve into the culture and the community here. So I'm very privileged to be here now as a, an, an adult, if you will. And serving from the spectrum of um, the new director for the Rochester Youth Association. Mateo is still very well on board. He continues to be the coordinator to the missions. And this year, we're going to Colombia. It'll be my first time going to Colombia, and I'm very excited about that. So this weekend, we're having a rural retreat where we have um, about a dozen youth um, and other adults that are here in this neck of the woods and visiting different churches and um, participating and singing and worshiping or giving a class or just being known and learning about um, the way that other churches in this neighborhood praise and serve the Lord because we're all one body. So we're excited about that. Um, like our brother Shay say, we've been around for 28 years and this church has been very pivotal in all of our accomplishments throughout these years when we go out to uh, missions out and also to help and support and be a resource to the local body. We have about 20 different churches that united, different church uh, youth groups that united with us this past April 1st as we had our spring rally. And it was just beautiful just to see all different youth from different nationalities and backgrounds and languages come together to praise the one living God. Um, we're excited that we can come to home. You know, we're in a, like, we're in a cycle where we go to what we call a back to school rally every fall as well. And we went, we came here to home last year and we also had what we called an incorporated new, which is a VAP overnight for the youth leaders. So being a resource and a support to the youth leaders of all these young people that come together to the rallies. We're going to Roberts next year, then we go to Elam and then we come back to home. So we're in that three year cycle. Um, we have a couple of your members that are part of our board. Bruce Hess being one of them and Margarita Cooley being another one. I see her over in the back. So it's a privilege to have people from this community to serve at that level and help and guide us through. We're in a 
place where we're catapulting. We're almost 30 years. We want 30 more years. So we're, you know, learning of new ways and how to continue to um, expand and service. One of the things that, you know, we're big on is learning how to serve and how to um, be able to um, be the hands and the feet of Jesus on earth. And we do that through um, training. We do that through worship services. We do that through the rallies. We have these coffee meets that we have with the youth leaders in the area where we also um, hear their ideas and um, just their concerns on how can we continue to grow. So I appreciate I appreciate on behalf of the Rochester Youth Association, I want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart for um, your, lo- your longevity and your support, not only financially, but your prayers to cover us. Thank you and have a blessed service. Thank you, Raquel. Our Old Testament reading this morning is from Psalm 30. A psalm, a song, for the dedication of the temple of David. I will exalt you, Lord, for you lifted me out of the depths and did not let my enemies gloat over me. Lord, my God, I call to you for help, and you healed me. You, Lord, brought me up from the realm of the dead You spared me from going down to the pit. Sing the praises of the Lord, you his faithful people. Praise his holy name. For his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may stay for the night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. When I felt secure, I said, I will never be shaken. Lord, when you favored me, you made my royal mountain stand firm. But when you hid your face, I was dismayed. To you, Lord, I called. To the Lord, I cried for mercy. What is gained if I am silenced, if I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it proclaim your faithfulness? Hear, Lord, and be merciful to me. Lord, be my help. You turned my wailing into dancing. You removed my sackcloth and clothed me with joy, that my heart may sing your praises and not be silent. O Lord my God, I will praise you forever. Would you please stand for the doxology? Father, we recognize that all that we have received comes from you. Thank you for the opportunity of bringing back a part of that to offer back to you. Lord, would you use it for your your work in the world and for your own glory. In Jesus' name, amen.
Please join me in the prayer of confession that is printed in your bulletin. Let's pray together. Gracious God, our sins are too heavy to carry, too real to hide, and too deep to undo. Forgive what our lips tremble to name, what our hearts can no longer bear, and what has become for us a consuming fire of judgment. Set us free from a past that we cannot change. Open to us a future in which we can be changed by you. And grant us grace to grow more and more in your likeness and image. Through Jesus Christ, who through his grace forgives us for all of our sins. Amen. Jim and Karen Szymanski are preparing this week to leave for uh, about a month and a half ministry in Nepal. And uh, we want to take a moment to pray for them this morning. They're coming here to the altar rail. And those of you who would like to, I invite you to gather around them as we pray for them, as well as for the needs of uh, our lives and our world. Father, we come to this moment of prayer because we believe that you are at work in our world. You're at work in our lives. You're at work in this place. You are a God who is active and present. And we come to you, opening our hearts to you, praying for your grace upon us. We pray for this world in which we live with so many problems and difficulties. We see... Again, more acts of terrorism and violence. We hear of war and rumors of war and threats of war. We see uh, the most vulnerable taken advantage of. And Lord, we pray that you would reveal yourself in this world of pain and heartache. We pray, Father, that your Holy Spirit would be evident, bringing peace where there is war, bringing safety where there is uh, insecurity bringing your presence to bear in every place, in every moment. Father, we pray for your church in this world. and We think of our brothers and sisters in places like uh, northern Nigeria who are desperately in need of uh, perseverance and protection and peace as they continue to be persecuted. We pray that your arms of protection would be wrapped around them and that they would know your loving grace helping them, giving them strength and and help and trusting you and finding you faithful in all that they encounter. And Father, we thank you for the work of your people in various places of the world. Today we pray for Jim and Karen. Thank you for the ministry they have had already in in Africa and the ministry that they have here working with 10-3, we pray now as they prepare to go on this trip that they would know that you are going before them, that you will be at work when they leave and that you are at work in them in the moment as well. 
Father, we ask that, that on this trip that you will help them as they, they gather together and meet with, with leaders from a variety of nations, that they would have good travels, that you would keep them safe, that you would uh, help them uh, to have good health as they go. And we pray that you will give them the ability to communicate. Communicate a word of encouragement to these leaders who many operate in difficult places. A word of instruction and help that will give them tools to to better be the church where they are. Help them to build relationships, even to build partnerships that will bring glory to you and will strengthen the church in those places as well as in this place. We pray your anointing upon them in all that they do. Help them, Lord, through the the various difficulties that most certainly will arise in a variety of ways. And may they sense you at work. And even giving them not only extra strength, but to see your miraculous hand involved in the most trying circumstances. We pray, Father, that you will make this time extremely productive for your church around the world and for the people involved, including Jim and Karen. Bless them and encourage them, and may they remember every day of our prayers and our support. Father, we thank you for the ministry here and for the ways that you allow us to be involved in the world, the world, the greater world as well as our closer world. We pray for not only what we're doing in this church, but other churches around us. Today we pray for the Immaculate Conception Catholic Church in Wellsville. Father de Maria, we pray that you would bless this congregation, that they would know your grace and love upon them, and they would be drawn closer and closer to you, to bear witness to you, uh, to each other, and to the community of Wellsville and beyond. And Father, we pray for, for uh, your grace at work in our lives and the burdens that we bring with us here today. We pray for all who are grieving this morning. May they know your comforting presence in every way. We pray, Father, for all who are struggling with health issues. We think especially of Joe Breton, Cheryl O'Brien, Storer Emmett, Ben King, Doris Asepian, Isla Shea, Sheldon Emerson, Laurel Buecher, for Bill Getty and Warren and Ella Woolsey, Phil Muker, Mike Raybuck, for Bev Rett and Micah Christensen, for Linda Roth and Dick Gould, for Emily Cricklar and others who are on our minds today. Bring your healing grace to bear in every way upon them. Father, we thank you for your presence in each of our lives and in this place. We thank you for the ministry of Rochester Youth Association and for the work that they are doing there. We pray that you would help them as they prepare for their trip to Columbia this summer. May it be an awesome experience for those who go, for those they minister to. Father, thank you for the privilege of being playing a role in what you're doing in Rochester. Father, we pray that you will continue to kindle our faith. Make us sensitive to your presence with us. Strengthen us in the everyday of life. And may we see you at work where we expect it and where we don't. Thank you, Father, for your Holy Spirit at work in us. May your anointing be upon us, and we go forth in the power of your Spirit. And pray this in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the one who teaches us the model for prayer, which we now pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. 
Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Our New Testament reading this morning is from Gospel of John, chapter 20, verses 11 to 18. In accordance with the church tradition, would you please stand for the reading of the Gospel? And when we've completed the reading, the children can be excused for Children's Church. 
Now Mary stood outside the tomb, crying. And as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They've taken the Lord away, my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. This she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you carried him away, tell me where you put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. This is the word of the Lord.
Please be seated. Grief and pain and loss are no respecter of persons. It doesn't matter where you were born. It doesn't matter where you've lived. It doesn't matter your race, your culture, nationality. It doesn't matter the size of your family. It doesn't matter your education level. It doesn't matter your economic status. It doesn't matter if you're a follower of Jesus or not. Grief and pain and loss are simply a part of being human. And when we think of grief, particularly, we tend to think of death. And that is certainly one of the primary ways in which we experience grief. I have I've stood by hundreds of caskets, stood at hundreds of gravesides, and seen the effect of death and grief. But grief is not limited to death. When you think about grief, you think about loss, and loss involves anything that we treasure that we no longer have. The death of a dream, the death of a relationship, uh, the death of, of an expectation that we were sure was going to be fulfilled. Grief and pain and loss comes to all of us in one way or another, but it comes. I find that when we, when we experience grief, one of the first things we do is to ask questions. We feel that sense of loss. When we feel the pain, we ask questions, and usually the question is why? Why did this happen? Why didn't that happen? What did I do or not do? Who's at fault? Often our questions moved eventually to God. Why did you allow that? Maybe why did you do that? It's the most natural thing in the world. And there's nothing wrong with the questions. I think the questions can help us. But it's a part of the grieving process to seek answers. And when you look at this story of Mary Magdalene at the tomb, this is exactly what you find her doing. She is grieving, not just because Jesus ended up on a cross, but because now she's at the tomb and he's not there. And the most natural reason for her to think why Jesus isn't there is not that he rose from the dead, it's that someone took him. And so she's asking, what have you done with him? Where is he gone? There is this searching in us for answers when our expectations are not fulfilled. I think grief has a lot to do with expectations. They're legitimate expectations. 
But they're expectations nonetheless. And when they aren't met, when they aren't fulfilled, when they don't happen the way we think they should or could, we feel a pang of loss and grief. And here's Mary at the tomb asking, what happened to Jesus? There is an there is an irrationality to grief and loss and pain. We ask all of these questions, and most of the time, we don't really get the answer that we want. That's what you hear Mary asking. How could anyone, why would anyone take the body of somebody out of the tomb? Why would someone do that? I mean, the cross is, was, was difficult and grievous for her, but she could look around and see the people who did that. And she might even have an intellectual understanding of their hatred for Jesus and why they would do that to him. But who would steal a body out of a tomb? And quite frankly, most of our grief and pain and loss, though we seek for answers, we don't usually get the answers we want. We can rationalize it to some degree. We can explain it to some degree. But ultimately, there is always a part of it that doesn't make sense. That we can't quite explain. And as Mary experiences that, she encounters Jesus. What fascinates me about this brief conversation with Jesus is that he doesn't answer her question. Where have you taken him? I'll go get him. It's as if Mary is saying, look, I know how to solve this problem if you just help me. I can handle this. I can take care of it. But I need some help. She wants answers to her questions. Jesus doesn't address her questions. Jesus doesn't address the irrationality of what she's facing. All Jesus does is speak her name. Mary. I don't think that's the answer Mary wants. I think Mary wants answers to her questions. But Jesus understands that what Mary wants is not necessarily what Mary needs. Because Mary's grief and pain and loss is not so much intellectual as it is emotional, spiritual. Every part of her being. We can have our answers, our questions answered. And it really doesn't take away the sting of our grief. What we need is to hear Jesus with us, calling our name, telling us, I'm here. Jesus doesn't tell her that her grief is unnatural. Jesus doesn't tell her that she shouldn't be grieving. Jesus doesn't explain to her what has happened. He simply says, Mary. I love the fact that Jesus doesn't give Mary and doesn't give us some kind of generic answer to our grief and our pain. He doesn't say, look, I, you know, everybody faces pain. So you're going to just have to deal with it. It's life. 
And he doesn't put, give her some formula. Here are five steps to overcoming your grief and pain and loss. He says, Mary. And the very speaking of her name indicates the personal nature of Christ with her. I'm here. You're looking for me. You're looking for answers. I'm right here. I'm standing right in front of you. I'm here. It's fascinating how grief blinds us to the presence of Jesus. It it is so amazing to me that Mary, Mary has no concept of, being, of ever seeing Jesus again, that when she sees him, she doesn't recognize him. Grief does that to us. Grief blinds us to the presence of, of Jesus with us. Grief blinds us to the, to the word of Jesus to us until we hear our name. He gets right in front of us and he says, I'm here. Not a big fanfare, just I'm here. I'm with you. I'm always interested when Scripture explains things like John does here about Mary's response. You know, I mean, he's writing in Greek. He's writing this in Greek. And when he gets to this point, he says, And Mary replied, Rabboni which is Aramaic for teacher. There aren't that many places in Scripture where we get that kind of explanation. And scholars debate, you know, what that's about. And, but it, it strikes me that maybe what John is trying to tell us is that, is that we needed to hear Mary respond in her heart language. She spoke Aramaic. This is her heart language. And, and when she hears Jesus, there's no thinking, there's no processing. It's just Rabboni. It's, it, the pain is in her heart. Her response is from her heart. It is from the depths of her being that she sees Jesus and she responds to him. Because Jesus is touching the very deepest places of her need. Of her burden, her loss, her pain, her life. I think there is wrapped up in just that one word, Mary. There is wrapped up in that word the call of the gospel to trust. The call of the gospel to believe that Jesus has done what he said he would do, that Jesus keeps his promises, that Jesus is with us. Trusting is hard in grief. It's hard to trust because we're, the pain feels so deep, because we have all of these questions, because what we really want is for God to come and to stop the pain. What we really want is for God, not even to, not even before stopping the pain, we want to live a life where we don't experience pain. We want to live a life free of pain. We want to live a life free of grief and loss and hurt and rejection and all the ways in which we experience pain. 
But God never promises us that. In fact, we ought to really expect the opposite of that. God created a world that, that in which human beings are free. And in a world in which people are free, and he did that because he wants relationship with us, a genuine relationship, not a relationship that we are forced to have with him, but a relationship that we want to have with him. Because that is so important to God. He created human beings with freedom. And wherever there is freedom, there is risk. But quite frankly, wherever there's love, there's risk. You cannot love without taking risk. You love another person. Why does it hurt so much when someone you love dies? Because you love them. You've taken the risk to love them. Why does it hurt so much when a relationship in which you've invested yourself falls apart? Because you've risked to invest yourself in it. Why is there so much pain when the dream of your life doesn't happen? Because you've invested yourself in trying to make it happen. You've given yourself to it. And the minute we risk, we open ourselves up for the potential for pain. But the alternative to that is to live lives that are safe. But we weren't created for safe. We were created for love. And the only way to live a life that's safe is to completely close ourselves off from others. But you ask anyone who has attempted to do that, if their life is now pain-free, it's just a different kind of pain. It's a hopeless kind of pain. It's a despairing kind of pain. It's a lonely kind of pain. Jesus doesn't come and say, let me stop you from having the potential for pain. Instead, he says, let me step into your pain. I'm right here with you. I'm standing right in front of you. Trust me. In a couple of, oh, in a, couple of months, Jesus is going to, the disciples are going to watch Jesus ascend away from them. And he says to them, he will remind them, he reminds them that the Holy Spirit is coming. And he says to them, Jesus says to Mary, don't touch me, you know, don't cling to me, don't grab me, because I've not yet ascended to the Father. Scholars debate what that means as well. I wonder if it, among all the definitions of descriptions, one of the ideas that is being communicated here is that, look, you're not going to experience the fullness of healing in this world. Not until I come back, not until I reappear, not until I usher in the kingdom, in all of its fullness, will you experience complete healing. But until that day, I'm leaving you the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is going to remind you of everything I've said to you. The Holy Spirit, whom he calls the Comforter, is going to come and give you peace and grace and strength. He's going to remind you that I'm with you always. He's going to remind you 
that I went to the cross for you. He's going to remind you that the tomb is empty. And I've conquered the reason for all of this pain and grief and heartache that you experience. The Holy Spirit is with you, ministering to you, loving you, caring for you. But he also leaves the church. And the church becomes the visible presence of Jesus in this world. And that's why Paul writes so often about bearing one another's burdens, caring for one another, loving one another, helping one another, strengthening one another. Because as the church, we have the privilege to be agents of healing for Christ. I think we miss that so often. Because often the image we portray in the church is we need to have it all together. We wear our masks. We put up our, we, we live with our facade. Everything is fine. How are you doing? Oh, I'm great. When inside, you're not great. But that's not what the church is supposed to be. The church is supposed to be the place where it's a safe place to come and to say, I'm hurting, I'm in pain, I'm grieving, I'm struggling, and to find welcome arms, listening ears, loving touch, compassion, grace. This is the call of the church. This is what it means to be the body of Christ. That we stand in the spirit of Christ right in front of each other. And we call each other by name. And we love each other. And Christ works through us to minister his grace of peace and healing and mercy and comfort to our hurting, aching hearts. And as we begin to be healed by the Holy Spirit, we actually can help other people who are coming behind us to walk through things that we know something about. I mean, it's one thing to talk to someone about our pain. It's a whole other thing to talk to someone who's been through a similar kind of pain. They know. They know. And there's something about having been through it that makes us just a little bit more compassionate, a little bit humbler, a little bit more patient and kind, loving, caring. And it's a risk to do that. But it's the call of the church. As I've said to you on a variety of occasions, I think much of our journey through life is rooted in our view of God. And I particularly think that's true when you talk about grief. Because there's something that, that is tied in our grief to our image of God. 
how we respond to grief, how we think about grief, how we view God in the grief. It's a lot to do with our image of God. And as I think about the question that both the angels in the tomb and Jesus asked Mary, it seems to me that there is something about that that helps us interpret and reveals our image of God. The question is, why are you crying? Now you can ask that question in a variety of ways. We don't, we don't have Jesus' tone of voice. We don't see his eyes and his face. We just have the words. Is Jesus asking her, why in the world are you crying, woman? Have you not been listening to anything I've been telling you? What is wrong with you? Why are you grieving? What's the problem? I rose from the dead. I finished this. It's done. Get over it. Come on. It might be that he's asking the question out of a a sense of disconnectedness. Okay, why is it again you're crying? I don't understand. I'm sorry, I was, I was thinking about something else. I was busy with something else. You know that, that experience you have when you're trying to talk to someone and they're reading the paper or scrolling through their phone? Sure, yeah, yeah, all right. Here, whatever you say. Uh-huh. I'm good. I think Jesus asked it out of a heart of compassion. Why are you crying? Tell me. Talk to me about it. I want to hear. I want to know. I care about you. I understand this is hard for you. So let's talk about it. Bear your soul to me. Bear your heart to me. Let me hear it. I'm here for you. As you think about that question and you think about your grief, if if your image of God is, is that he's impatient with us in our grief, then we will make little progress in getting through it. We will always feel like we ought to be better at this. We should be over this. It, you know, we're, we're, it's, it's, we're, not, we're taking too much time with it. If we think that God is, is sort of disconnected from us, then we become bitter and resentful. Because in one way or another, somewhere deep in the recesses of our mind, we blame him for this. And now he doesn't care? Does it matter to him? We're not even important enough to him? It's only when we understand that Jesus is speaking words of compassion to us. Grace, mercy, love. His heart is breaking because our hearts are breaking. And he knows, he understands. He went to a cross. He understands pain and grief and loss. He understands the questions. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He gets it. He understands the risk of love. God is the great risk taker. He is the ultimate risk taker. Think of the risk God takes in creating humanity. Knowing that he creates us, we may well rebel against him. But the relationship is worth it. Think of how God risks identifying himself with people like Noah, Abraham, Moses, 
great men, but man, are they flawed. Think of the risk God takes in choosing the weakest nation on earth. Slaves. And saying, these are my people and I want everyone to know that. That doesn't end so well for them. Think of the risks God takes in sending his son. Think of the risk God takes to tell, say to the church, you're my presence in this world. But God keeps risking and risking and risking because as Jesus tells us, as John reiterates to us, God is love. And nothing is more important for us to understand about God in our grief and our pain than that God loves us and he's with us. That the tomb is empty. God has conquered the reason, the ultimate reason for our pain and our loss and our grief. And the day is coming when we will understand that and we will experience the full healing. And in the meantime, he's asking us to trust him. That he may not give us the answer we want. But he gives us the answer we need. He gives us himself. I'd like for you to do something this morning. At the each end of the, of the pews are some index cards. They're just there on the seat. If you don't have any in your row, look behind you or ahead of you. And make sure everyone in the row gets a card. And hopefully there's, you have something to write with in front of you or something you have with you. We're going to take a few moments of silence to give you a chance to write down perhaps what has come to your mind this morning as we're thinking about grief and pain and loss. You may be thinking, well, what comes to my mind is pretty insignificant compared to the grief that other people face. That has nothing to do with it. Your pain is your pain. I'm not comparing it to anybody else. It's just where you are, what you're experiencing. It may be something that's happened a long time ago. It may be something that's more re- been more recent. It really doesn't make any difference. But as you were listening this morning, as you were thinking this morning, something came to your mind. We're going to take a moment. I hope you write that down on that card. And then in a couple of moments when we come up to take communion, I want you to carry that card with you and hold it in your hand. And as you eat the bread and drink the cup, to do that as an act of affirmation that, that you are bringing this to Jesus and that you trust him. To be present with you in it. To be the agent of healing in your life. To stand before you, to hear you calling his name. And to sense his love overwhelming you.
Gracious Father, thank you for your faithfulness, for the promise of your presence in all of life, particularly in the difficult moments of life. We pray, Father, that you will pour out the abundance of your blessing upon the bread and the cup. That as we eat and drink, we will, we will experience once again the presence of Jesus ministering to our hearts and our souls. As we watch each other come to receive the sacrament, may we be reminded that we are a body care for each other. We love each other. We are for each other. Father, thank you for your presence with us. And we ask this through Jesus. Amen. On the night Jesus was betrayed, he took bread, gave thanks to the Father in heaven and broke it. Gave it to his disciples saying, take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. On the same night he took the cup. Again he gave thanks to the Father in heaven. Gave it to his disciples saying, drink from this all of you. For this is my blood of the new covenant which is shed for your sins and the sins of all people. Every time you do this, do it in remembrance of me. As you're released by Rose this morning, come to the front, tear off a piece of bread, dip it into the cup, eat it, and then you may return to your seat by the outside aisles. Altar rails always open if you'd like to stay and pray. If coming to the front is difficult for you, or if you simply prefer, we have a tray of bread and cups. We're happy to serve you in your seat. Just let the usher know as your row is released. And I also have gluten-free wafers here and cups. And if you'd like those, just let me know as you come forward. I'd like to mention that we practice open communion at the Wesleyan Church. This might be the first time you have ever worshipped here. But if you come today with your heart open to Christ, with a desire to, to know Christ in the depths of your being, and come, receive these gifts from our gracious, loving, Heavenly Father.
when you walked upon the earth, you healed the broken, lost, and hurt. I know you hate to see me cry. One day you will set all things right. One day you will set all things right. When my world is shaking, heaven stands. When my heart is breaking, I never leave your hands, your hands. Thank you. 
We invite you to stand as we sing a closing hymn.
receive the benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen. Thank you.